If you have your Bible this morning, and I hope you do, join me in Romans chapter 1. We're, uh, we're just going to dig right in. We're, we're going get, to uh, get right to what we need to get to this morning. And just real quickly, not, not the full intro like we did last week, but just again, kind of set, set some groundwork for what we're looking at as we study together the book of Romans. Remember that, and if you weren't here with us last week, this, this will bring you up to speed with us, that, that overarching theme that we talked about for Paul's letter to the Romans, the righteousness of God. And what we're going to see, um, what we're going to dig through, and maybe even uncover for some of us the first time, in, in Romans, in this letter, we have lots of, lots of instructions, but lots of insight on what it means to be right with God, ourselves, and with others. And all three of those are so very important. And all three of those are, I think, in, in that statement, are in priority. The first thing we've got to do is be right with God. If we're not right with Him, everything else is out of whack. There's, there's no way to get around that fact. If we're, if we're not right with God... Everything else falls by the wayside. And you know, I, I'm not going to tell you another story about me this morning. I, uh, I, I did enough to, uh, to embarrass myself last week. But you know, there's, there is the truth to it that we at least think we're right. We may not always be right, but we at least think we're right. Or the reality is... We wouldn't try to do something or tell somebody something if we didn't think so. But there's got to be a priority to that, right? And again, that priority is God first. Just like that wonderful saying that I shared with you that we came up with as a group of guys. You know, that priority of God first in our lives. But let's go to the text. I want to I read our verses for today just to start out. And then again, we'll, we'll look at just a couple of things about what this letter is about. And then we're going to dig into the text. But this morning, we're going to pick up in verse 8. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. And we'll read through uh, verse 17. But Paul writes for us. And again, think about this. We're, we're reading a letter in the book of the or the in the New Testament in the book that we call the Bible and think about when Paul wrote this and when Paul wrote many of the letters that are in the New Testament here, here's here, here's kind of a neat way to think about this he wasn't writing this letter to the church in Rome as part of the Bible does that make sense he was writing a letter to people that he dearly loved just like we write letters to people well <laughs> I don't know if we do that anymore or not. Maybe we send an email or a text. But Paul's writing a letter to a group of people that he dearly loved and wanted to spend time with. But we get to see this now in, a, in the book that we call the Bible that, again, that helps us, uh, helps us in life. Again, just a little, a little side thought there. But those, those are the kind of things that when I'm studying, when I'm reading, they, those are the kind of things that are, are very thought-provoking for me. But Paul writes, let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you 
because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all of my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is this opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Uh, verse 13. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as, <clears throat> just as I have seen among, the, among other Gentiles. Sorry. For I have, great sen I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. And then verse, uh, verses 16 and 17. And as we talked about last week, these two verses, these are the foundation for this letter to Rome. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So now let's, let's take a look at what, uh, what we're, we're reading and take a look at and understand again what Paul is doing. He's writing this letter to the church in Rome, a church that he didn't start, a church that none of the apostles started, a church that was started by Jewish believers who fled Jerusalem during persecution. And I shared with you last week, this is another one of those things that for me when I think about it is, is just, it's just phenomenal how God develops a plan and then how God uses us. I won't say people, because he uses us in this. And, and we are the first to think that we're not qualified. We, we can't do this. We're, we're not good enough. We're not whatever. God can't use me. But this is one of those prime examples of how God can use anybody for his plan who is willing to step in. Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, if you go to Acts in the New Testament, just right before Romans, we see the history of the church. That's what Acts is. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. And this is the story of the beginning of the church, a whole lot of work of Paul and Peter. The first part of Acts is when Peter is preaching the day of Pentecost and thousands came to faith in Jesus Christ. And just shortly after that, the persecution of the church really began because there was a, a, an effort to stop all of this stuff about this man named Jesus that all of these people were following and believing in. And, and it, it went against the customs and traditions and even some of the teachings in their minds of the Scripture. And Paul, 
who was known as Saul, is one of those men, a, a, a Jewish religious leader, was the, his, his group that he was part of is called the Pharisees. Um, they, are, they are part of a religious group in the, in the New Testament and Old Testament times. They, they made decisions and they kind of ran things. They were, they were the guys in charge and they really loved the power that they had. It came, with, it came because of some wealth, but it also gave them just some amazing authority in the church. And Paul was part of that group. And Paul was part of the group that did not believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And he set out to stop it. He was against the movement that was called the way, and he was ready to stop it. And one of the things that we can find in Acts in the history of the church is Saul slash Paul. Saul was there when Stephen was stoned, who was one of the first martyrs for the movement, one of the first people put to death because they believed in and professed Jesus Christ. And Paul was there. He held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death. And now here we are. And Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. If you don't know that story, again, one of those things you can find in Acts chapter 7. But Paul was traveling to go to a city to persecute Christians, to stop this movement. And on this road, if you don't know the story on the road, he ran into Jesus Christ on the road. Life-changing moment for him. And now here he is writing a letter to the church in Rome, among other letters that he wrote to New Testament, New Testament churches, most of which he actually started on his journeys, telling that he was ready to come and ready to help them do the work that he tried to stop and these people in Rome, it's believed that these were Jews that fled during the persecution and went to Rome, fled the persecution that Paul was involved in to start a church in Rome that now Paul's writing to because he wants to go visit and help them do the work. You get the irony in that? But God, that's what God can do and that's what God does. He'll use anyone who's willing to say yes. And Paul was willing to say yes. And we found out last week, he, in the first part of Romans, he identifies himself as a servant of Christ, a willing servant of Christ, an apostle, uh, one that had an encounter with Jesus, a preacher of the gospel. He has something to share with people and wants to do that. And then a missionary, ready to go and to tell. And so, this letter that he's writing um, to, to tell the, the Romans, that the people in Rome, that he's coming here in this first chapter. It starts out uh, there it, where we were in verse 8. Let me say first that I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. And let's, let's camp on that statement for just a minute because, you know, Paul, Paul is expressing thanks to them. And he has a lot to be thankful for, for all of the things that, that God has allowed him to do. But, but catch that statement that he makes. Your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. All over the world. 
man, what would it be like? What would it be like? And, I, and I'll, I'll just, I'm going to make this personal for us this morning. What would it be like if people all over Pflugerville, Hutto, Austin, Texas, the United States, however big you want to go, what if people all over were talking about us? And the faith that we have in Christ and the work that we're doing, not, not work out of obligation, but work out of love that we're doing for Jesus Christ to share the gospel with the people here. What, what if, what if somebody was writing a letter telling about what Crosswalk Pflugerville is doing here, but people know about it? everywhere can you and, and and don't misunderstand what i'm saying i'm not saying that that would be something it, it would be incredible but not something that we could brag about or boast about but it would be something that would be pointing to how we're living our lives we're not just we're not just talking about it we're not just coming together on Sunday morning and looking at some verses and seeing how somebody else did it, but we're actually out living our lives and doing what he's called us to do. And you know, it goes, it goes even beyond just the reputation and the word about the faith of our church. That, it, it comes down to us personally. And again, that whole idea of being right, being right with God, with ourselves, and with others. In that priority, being right with God so that we are being right with ourselves and living out what God has called us to do. And what, what an amazing story it could be if that was our reputation. And don't, you know, don't think that's what I'm saying, that we, that's what we're chasing after. Because it's not, it's not about fame and notoriety but that is what we're chasing after because and I this is a statement that I use with you guys all the time it's what God has called us to do to be known because we love people and be known because we love God and to be known because we're serving the people in the community around us what what an awesome um what an awesome statement that could be for us. And then going on through the text, Paul's prayed for this opportunity to come, and, and he's eager to get there. He uses that word, he's eager to get there, because he has something that he wants to share with them as a church, but also with the city, with Rome, and helping them share the gospel with everyone around them. And, and he even uses the statement in verse 14 that he's under obligation to deliver this message. And that obligation is because his love for Jesus Christ as a servant. And it's, it's even, it even comes across in the translation that it's, it's, it's like he has a debt and not a debt that he owes because of his salvation, but a, um, an indebtedness to share because of the love that's been showered on him. And that can be, man, that can be so confusing for us when we start talking about being indebted in a, in a 
debt, and it, it, can, it can so easily lead us into the misunderstanding that there is work that is required for our salvation. That's not true. The work is a result of our salvation because of what Jesus showers on us, the righteousness of God that is showered on us through the blood of Christ gives us a desire to go, a desire to tell, and, and, and just this feeling of an obligation because we want the world to know what we know. That's, that's where, uh, that's where that, that word comes in as far as that obligation to go and tell. And he's going to tell the truth, and he's going to tell the message of Jesus Christ and what we call the good news, the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, what he accomplished not just what he did, but what he accomplished for us on the cross, giving himself as the final sacrifice, taking on himself all of our sin so that we would know peace and hope for eternity. And that, that good news, the gospel, Here's the reality for us in, in the world that we live in, and it's not just today. This has, been, this has been the reality forever. The gospel is the answer, is the only answer to all of the problems and all of the issues that we face and that the world faces today. The gospel is the only answer to that. The good news of Jesus Christ, the peace and the hope that comes from Jesus Christ alone is the answer for all of the issues. You know, we want to sit around, and we do, I do, we want to sit around and talk about all of the issues and all the stuff going on in the world around us. And we have, we have so many, I have so many solutions that I create in my mind that can fix all of this stuff. And, and the truth is, it can't fix anything. The peace and the love and the good news of Jesus Christ is what can and is the only thing that can fix the mess. Because if the world was living in the good news, if the world was living in the hope of Jesus Christ, just think about what the world would be like. And, you know, we, we can conjure up ideas, but we really can't wrap our brains around what that world would be like because there wouldn't be all of this craziness that we can see. We can walk out that door right there and get 20 yards out of the parking lot and see something that's a mess. It wouldn't be there. The gospel can do that in the world that we live in. It can change and can even fix is not the right word. Solve those issues that we face in the world. And the, the gospel, that announcement of good news, that, was, that, that would have rung true with, with the people in Rome too because it was called the gospel. If a... If, if, uh, army officer made an announcement of a victory in a battle it was called the gospel and so this is this announcement that Paul is is proclaiming as as he goes but as he wants to go to Rome and do this announcement of good news it's the same thing for us it's the announcement of a victory in a battle and just think what that announcement today in the world could be 
an announcement of a victory over all of the battles taking place in the world. And, and the gospel by faith, that good news by faith, releases us and releases the world from the penalty of sin. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, another letter that Paul writes, you can find, you can find this truth. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives it the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gave us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That announcement of victory, that that good news of what Jesus Christ does for us when we put our faith in him and then also by faith we're released from not just the penalty of sin but the power of sin and we'll get to this later Romans chapter 6 but Paul writes there sin is no longer your master we're released from the power of sin it does not mean and, and I wish it did. It does not mean that we won't sin again. But what it means is that we're given freedom through the grace of God when we do fall. That we're covered by His blood. And that penalty doesn't sit on us anymore. Doesn't weigh us down. And sin doesn't have power in our lives because when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ to that gospel that power of sin is taken away and it the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit we don't have we don't have those desires to chase those things we don't want those things and God changes us through the power of the gospel so the good news, the announcement of victory, the power of God unto salvation, that salvation that is available for anyone. And Paul writes that for us, for anyone who will believe. Let's go back to the text in verse 16. And remember, these are, these are the key verses for, for the whole writing of this letter to the, to the people in Rome. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As Scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has Life, a righteous person. We're talking about the righteousness of God. That righteousness is ours and is given to us through Jesus Christ. We become right. Not easy to understand, is it? But we become Right, and, and, and the word for us that, that is key to this, to understanding what that means to be right in God. God is making people right. The word is justification. 
Have you ever heard the word justification? It's like um, we, we're, we're cleared through our faith in Christ. We're cleared of the wrongs that we've done and the wrongs that we will do. We don't have those burdens sitting on us anymore. And it's like, it's like being in court and being on trial for something that we did, a crime that we committed. And the jury says, it's gone. That's what that justification that comes through Jesus Christ and that righteousness that he showers on us, that's what it means for us. We're not guilty of the crime anymore. It's like, it really is. It's like it never happened. The way that I used to explain the word justification to students uh, when I was teaching students, think of the word justification as just if, just as if I had never sinned. That's what justification is. God makes us right just as if it never happened and just as if it's never going to happen. We're released from that penalty of sin, that death that we deserve, and we're released from the power of sin, the desire no more to do all of those things that separate us from God, for the desire to chase after His heart and allow Him to change us one step at a time. It's one step at a time. It's not an instant everything is done, but to allow Him to change us because He has justified us through Christ and this is the message that Paul wants the world to know not just the world that he's already traveled and not just the people in Rome but he wants the world to know that that is the good news of Jesus Christ and that is what Jesus Christ has done for us and Paul declares he is not ashamed of that and is willing to give up everything so that that message gets to the world and we we know and I, I say we know maybe all of us in the room don't know but it is part of Paul's story you know we talked about last week really quickly he was writing this and his plan was to go to Jerusalem to take an offering back to Jerusalem that he had collected on his trip to help some people there that were struggling and then he was headed to Spain and he was going to go through Rome on his way to Spain well, he didn't make it to Spain, and he got to Rome, but it wasn't in the way that he planned to get to Rome. He got there as a prisoner because he was not ashamed to preach, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ wherever he went. And here's, here, here's something that I, that I want to I share with you because... As, as I read this, I think this is important to think about because we have, we have a church. And, and again, when I say church, we're not just necessarily talking about one group of people meeting together in Rome. That word church meant multiple groups that were meeting. The church wasn't, it wasn't like what we think when we think of church today, usually we think of a building where big groups come together, but there were small groups meeting all over that were part of the church. But people outside of that church would have read this letter also. It, it circulated well. And, and think about this. Paul's, um, Paul, 
writing to Rome, telling them about this Jewish carpenter that had been crucified that they could put their faith in, that could change their lives forever. And the people of Rome were the very people that crucified Jesus Christ, who was a Jew. The Romans didn't think very highly of the Jewish people. But the good news is coming out of the Jewish people. This power that can change lives even in a place like Rome, even in a place like Austin, even in a place like you name the city. This good news, this announcement, this, this Jewish man who gave up everything that is for and this salvation that is for everyone who believes and puts their faith in him they're justified because of their faith and they're free from their sin and their life can be transformed and they can be right with God. Think about that, how, how that could have sounded to some, but think about how that sounded to the church that knew this truth that was working hard to reach the city that they were in. And think about for us how we believe in and trust this truth as we live our life of faith in Jesus Christ, knowing the impact and the change that it can have on the city around us, on the people around us, on the families that we're part of, on the friend circles that we're in. The power to change everything and it should it really should for us uh, it should <laughs> it, it should compel us to share that message what we know that Jesus Christ has done for us individually should be enough to compel us to share, to proclaim, to go and tell, and to live out our faith in Christ so that the world would have a chance to know. We can't make anybody believe. It's a choice that's made individually, just like it was a choice that we all made at one time in our life. But we don't have a choice to not share this message. We don't have a choice and it, again, not out of, not out of a works-based faith where we're thinking that we're going to earn a reward for sharing our faith. But again, because of what Jesus has done for us, because of that righteousness that he showered on us, I know who I was. And I want everybody to know. And I hope for you it's the same. You, you know what Christ has done in your life so far, just like I do, so far. I mean, it's, it's a day-to-day -day story. And we should want everybody around us to know. They may not accept it, but we need to be telling it. We need to be sharing that good news of what Jesus Christ can do. And that good news that alone could change the world around us.
in ways that we can't put our head around. So, as, as we wrap up our time together this morning, just remember, this is a transformation that is taking place in us because of the grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're being called to be right with God, to be right with ourselves, and to be right with the people around us. But it starts with God first. We've got to have things in order with Him first so that He can do the work around us. Let's pray together. And God, this morning... God, we are just so thankful for the good news, for the truth of your word. And God, for what, for what the work that's been accomplished through Jesus Christ means for us. And God, I pray that it does. It compels us to tell. God, I even pray that, that you would put within us this energy and this desire that wouldn't let us sleep at night if we're not paying attention to the opportunities that you give us to share. God, that we would be restless until we did. So, Father, again, give us those opportunities. Make us mindful of those opportunities. And, God, give us the courage. Give us the courage to share with the people around us. And we pray this together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.